0: And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
1: You deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity.
0: I look at your faces.
1: I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. It's far from over. You will not make that stand alone we have something
2: the enemy does not we have heroes halo new season now streaming exclusively on paramount plus
3: citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids
0: a new paramount plus original docuseries
3: this is the start of something
0: major
1: follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous idaho college murders
0: there's plenty of places to hide a weapon,
1: and turned it into a social media phenomenon. Wait, as a roommate, This yeah. is a huge. I want the truth
0: from you.
1: Hashtag cybersleuths. The Idaho murders now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.
3: It's never on the door. Yes, sir. It's never Final
4: What's up duke fans welcome to the Double den podcast i'm your host josh smith joined by my co-host raul and shu coming at you after another stellar performance down in florida so uh took care of a pretty depleted miami team 84 55 nice to see you had five guys in double figures um we've talked a little bit about the assist to turnover ratio nice to see that kind of on the right side of things 19 to ten um shot the ball well another big game from flip pretty much in a blowout like this it's fun to talk about because you have good games for just across the board for the most part here but let's just kind of jump in i don't think we need to go too much play by play here but i will toss it to y'all initially um to me the game was kind of pretty much decided early in the first half it's 16 to 14 and then duke just blitzes them right we go on a 13-0 run um Caleb Foster has two huge threes in that stretch and then maybe the play of the game when Jared just kind of goes coast to coast almost and just like hammers one in the lane I don't know man like I'll toss it to you there I thought Miami didn't play great Omir was kind of missing a bunch of bunnies down there early but I just thought this might have been like up there with I don't know like the most locked in we've seen to be in terms of just like from the gate just prepared like the defense was on point offensively things were clicking what did y'all take of that i know we we're talking a little bit offline roll but the guys seemed like we had like a little more verve a little more energy a little more like kind of pep in your step here did you see anything with that we looked fresh
2: yeah man i think like yeah i mentioned that to you but it was like it was not just like one guy it was like a, yeah. a flip looked like he was moving faster and better he had that great move to go baseline and then just hammer it uh yeah which that that surprised me too uh you know and then jared with that dunk like never seen anything from him like that uh mark mitchell like looks super springy i mean he's been getting more kind of springy and athletic and healthy looking as the year has gone on but just one example like at the end of the first half miami misses a three and mark just like skies for the rebound and Mm -hmm. i haven't really seen that kind of lift from him so yeah just across the board uh proctor as well for coming back from a concussion like he was moving really well pushing the ball fast in transition um, right yeah exactly exactly um which is weird at this time of year because we've been struggling so much with injury so i don't know what they did in the last four days or whatever but it helped
4: yeah and maybe it's something in the water out there because again it's this trend from a sample size of two years here but things start, seem to click for John Shire teams later in the season, right? We saw it last year with that 10-0 or that 10-game winning streak. Um, Won't jump too far ahead yet, but we won five straight. There's five more left. Maybe you see something else in the water down there. Um, Shu, what was kind of your initial thoughts before we jump into some other stuff, just kind of the energy effort level?
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought this was our most complete game of the season as far as that yeah. goes. Um you know, a lot of times, and I, and I mentioned it in the last podcast about showing the guys the the footage from last year. If you go back and watch that game last year, like Miami just blitzed us um, defensively when we just bullied us basically, and we we folded. Honestly, yeah. I mean, and so watching the game last night, it's like we came out aggressive on offense, but we were aggressive on defense too. Like we're not we're not going to have you do that. Uh, I, like you guys said, I think it was the most. Uh, the most intense kind of pressure that we've played. I mean, the guys just seem to be all over the place. The defense we was playing, Jay mentioned playing like uh the the gap defense, you know, just being in the right spots when we're playing all these switches, the rotations just it looked great. Um now granted, you know, they're they're missing Nigel Pack and they're missing Matthew, Matthew Cleveland. Cleveland. That's like yeah. 30 points for them. But you know, that that place is it's been a hall of horrors for us, so it was nice to kind of go down there and 30 piece those guys and kind of everybody be clicking.
4: Yeah. I mean, in the past, they probably just could have ran a Wooga Omir ball screen over and over and over, and it wouldn't have mattered who was, <laughs> else was out there. Right. Like it just seemed, um, I'll do that. I'll go a little bit out of order here, just cause we're talking about it. The, the defensive switching, we've talked about that a little bit. I know you said that that's a good look for us. I mean, our rotations were like, we missed maybe one or two there, but we were trapping the post. Like we were like on the catch there um switching just about everything i mean there is a point in the game where up like 27 ryan young is hard hedging to like half court and then sprints back down to catch his man on the post to deny it it's like just incredible like effort right there right like
1: the, the one he sprinted down just to knock away you know a, a pass And then he did was, another one that's
4: a separate play yeah <laughs>
1: but, but you're up 30 and that guy's doing that i yeah lots of props to ryan i mean last year i thought he had the hustle play of the season Forgot what game it was, but he had a offensive rebound that he was fighting for under the basket. The ball kind of gets popped out to the three point line. And next thing you know, he's out there diving on it too. Yeah. Um, and and then that that play that I'm talking about where he kind of just sprinted, uh, when I think it might have been like a three on one fast break for them. And just pokes and, it right out. And just pokes yeah. it out of bounds. I mean, that's dude, you're up thirty and, and you're doing that. That's that's dedication. That's hustle. That's uh I love to see it.
4: Yeah, and nine rebounds in ten minutes, right? Like that's
1: that's yeah, you see time. his offensive rating for the game was like 202.
4: <laughs> yeah, this was yeah. like vintage last year, Ryan Young almost yeah. for us, right? Like this is what he was doing in those spurts. Um,
2: and it's interesting because this is not the kind of game where you think he would hold up, right? We've decided to play switching defense basically the entire time. And that is not necessarily Young's forte. Like I've been kind of hammering uh, the drum of like, we should maybe play switching defense even more because it suits our personnel, right? Because uh flips a pretty mobile Center um and then some of our guards I think it just kind of simplifies things for them a little bit like I've noticed that Caleb Foster is much better in the switch because he just doesn't have to focus on rotations quite as much he can kind of just lock in on his man and then you know switch when he's called out to switch um and then guys like Sean Stewart and Blake's can uh, like have a uh, a little bit better roll off the bench if we're switching as well but you would think that would kind of push young out out of the rotation but the opposite happened at least in this game
4: yeah
0: yeah I, I, mean, I wanted to
2: go back to the uh
1: to the flip dunk that that Raul mentioned i mean i haven't seen that I, is that the most athletic play you've seen out of flip in two years
4: yeah we just ragged him against Florida state about how he was going up kind of like weak at the rim right I mean, and was, like i mean maybe a, the, maybe
2: the blue white game at the beginning of the year when he had that dunk flying down the lane but even that yeah. wasn't like it wasn't contested. Yeah, but you don't At see all. a seven yeah. footers
1: doing up yeah. and unders. A, you know, a, that's spin like, that's a and Yeah, that reminded hanger. me of Henderson versus. Yeah that's, a, yeah, that's a Henderson. Wake dunk. Forrest, That's a wingman though.
4: Yeah. yeah, I think that was a Wake game. Yeah, yeah it was Wake
1: um, on Chaz McFarlane.
4: Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, just everyone looked fresh, right? I think that I don't really know another way to say it. Um, the energy was just there. The legs were just there, and it didn't. I don't think it was just like, oh, now they were motivated. Maybe uh, some of those guys were to come down there and say, hey, we got curb stomp here last year um but to see it across the board from every player like maybe we just took a few days off or something or just kind of hit the massage you know hit the spot well, you, you guys mentioned
1: it too i mean uh, we didn't play anybody heavy minutes this game it was like hey we yeah. only had two guys that
4: played 30 minutes yeah yeah
1: so right. everybody stay fresh um what did you guys think about jared's dunk i didn't honestly didn't know he had that in him
4: i didn't know he had that in him either
1: did not know i mean first
2: career dunk a poster
4: considering how low his release is on his way layups a lot of yeah. times it's like I never thought that he could just one hand through the yeah. lane like yeah, that he's no.
2: such a below the rim player normally like he's effective inside now but he does that with kind of craft and you know those yeah. uh kind of pivots and things like that and it's just usually, eight from angles yeah. right yeah. this
4: is like nope I'm going straight middle dude and like you know grand Miami's defense was pretty awful i mean, to I mean say it, WWE, but they were but. playing
1: hard i mean they were oh yeah they were getting up in us and we were just they're they're about being just as bad, yeah, yeah. Right?
4: like they're individually they were trying to do it but the, yeah. the rotations or yeah, like sure. what to do on like breakdowns was just
2: yeah not yeah. not there um, i mean i thought that their effort showed in how many offensive rebounds they got which is one thing i did fair. want to bring up um yeah you know they kind of made us look pretty bad on the defensive glass. I think we had a 64% defensive rebounding rate, which would be kind of near the bottom of Division One. We're normally up more like up at 76 or something like that. Um so and I know Miami is surprisingly given their height, they're a good offensive rebounding team. So maybe I shouldn't be surprised by that. But I thought it uh, you know, it was probably Aggravated by our switching. So that's one thing you do give up a little bit when you start switching like that is because, you know, then you have flip like not really under the basket at all times. And so you're asking guys like McCain to rebound really well, which I think he had four rebounds in this game. So if he doesn't have 10, then that's just going to give, you know, a good offensive rebounding team like Miami a lot more chances. And that was basically the only way they were even scoring in the first half was. They'd miss their first two shots, and then they'd get something on a putback from Amir or whatever. Or yeah. like, I think Poplar hit a few threes, but that was about it.
1: Well, how much of this bad defense, air quotes Bob, Miami is just a tribute to us shooting the lights out. I mean, he, <laughs> yeah. you got to I mean, think those guys sure. are playing their ass off, and then next thing, you know, here's Caleb Foster going back-to-back back for three, or Jeremy hitting, you know, three or four in a row, and you just like.
4: Well, and this is what you morally see deflated. When, when Caleb and Tyrese are both playing at a high level, yep. right? And we haven't seen that like quite, you know, both of those guys have had moments. Um, but when you're able to bring a guy like Tyrese off the bench and he's just that engaged, and pushing the ball, and um, he looked as like he was getting into the lane a lot, too. Yeah. Like his cross-court passes weren't getting picked off. They were on
2: point. Yeah, um, he had a couple of really uh, nice drives, too. But, yeah, it's just... What it changes is like instead of having two guards, you really have to worry about something, you have four guards you really have to worry about, right? There's a play in the first half that like summed it up for me, which was like, I think Mitchell's in the center, flips in the right corner, he gets the pass. We kick it from Flip to McCain to Foster to Proctor, and Proctor takes a right wing three and he misses it, but it was wide open. It's just beautiful ball movement, right? And it's like, you have to worry about all those guys as a defender when they're playing like right. that.
4: Right. Yeah. The ball movement was just like some of the best that we used maybe going back to like pit, um, yeah. the first big game naturally, um, or some of those. I mean, Chew,
2: it's like, what I would say to that is like, when we are hitting, obviously we're going to be tougher to defend. But I think some, a lot of that was created by the ball movement. Like we yeah. made good shots for ourselves.
1: I think it was uh, was it Jay Billis on the call. He he, he get a uh, Jay Wright quote that's like a good shooting team is a good passing team. You right. know Like mm-hmm. if, if I you guys might can, have been Dan Schulman, but you know, maybe yeah. yeah. Either way, but yeah. Um, and, and that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you can move the ball around and find, you know, was it Jay Wright was also that had the the better
2: best you know bestest shot, basically kind yeah. of break down like yeah. Um, And you obviously have to start with the shooters, like if you don't have shooters, you could pass the ball 30 times and it's not going to matter. But sure. Yeah. If you start Um, passing the ball and you already have the shooters in place, that's what unlocks it. Yeah. yeah. Especially when we're. this
4: was like one of the few games that like we've talked to Brian a few times of like unlocking the five out and it's like it just all seemed to be working here. Right. When Foster's able to drive, when McCain's driving, when Proctor's getting into the lane, um, it just all works, man.
2: I thought Flip wasn't shot hunting as much either. Yeah, he was, I thought uh, Flip
4: was just incredible.
2: Go ahead. Yeah, he was just catching the ball in the short roll, and I thought his first instinct there was to pass. In fact, there were a couple plays where I was like, I don't know, I wish, kind of wish you hadn't passed that. You had like a six <laughs> yeah. six guy in the lane, and that's the only opposition you had, and you decide to kick to Foster in the corner, which yeah. like you know is fine, but maybe wasn't the best choice there. But I, I, I like that instinct better. I like it when Flip is in more of a like facilitator role and he gets his offense more naturally within the flow of things.
4: Yeah. Um, you know, he had four assists, one turnover. Yeah, and one,
2: one thing I noticed online
1: last night was, you know, people talking about um, Amir missing a lot of shots around the rim. I, I think a lot of that's credit to, to Flip. Yep. You know, Flip was all, on his ass all night. He
4: had three blocks. Yeah. And, you know, I
1: mean. And like, even Mark Mitchell, I think John mentioned it. Like, we put we put Mark on, on him a lot too. Um, yep. I, I think that goes back to John, you know, talking about having to help flip out here lately. A lot of times we've been able to put Mark on the five, especially if we're, we're switching, because then the, you know, they're just going to end up running a, a pick and roll, and Flip's going to end up on the five, anyways. Sure,
2: Yeah. I thought Mitchell um, played a near perfect game on both ends. Yes. Um He was really good when he was switched out on guards on the perimeter. It was giving like a ton of effort. Um yeah. And it was making great rotations and recovering really well to kind of contest around the rim. And he hit what yet another top of the key three. Yep. Like that is yep. just money for him right now.
4: I know. I know. He's not taking a ton, but like when he is, he's making yeah. them. And he had the the anytime you're blocking a three-point shot too, you know that you're yeah. just like you're you're locked yeah. in defensively, right? Like that's um it's hard to do that, you know, like it's not something that you see a ton
2: of. I think um, you and I talked offline about uh just how well he fills in the gaps. Like, I was comparing him to uh, Aaron Gordon in Denver. Like, just that kind of, you know, that big forward who can't really shoot, but is still effective because he's such a good cutter and he understands space so well. And he just kind of operates down there on the baseline and will like fill in the gap at the exact right moment and, you know, has good hands and is a good finisher. So, all that kind of combines, he makes like a nice target. Like, Foster's yeah. had some great passes to him lately.
4: Yeah. And he's just his IQ and awareness on both ends, right? Because it's why he's such a good defender and why he's been such a great defender for two years without fouling for the most part. You know, I think he did have like three fouls last night, which is not terrible or like even a concern, but that's like a high for him, right? Usually he's in that one or two range and it's because of just that like he understands the space on the floor. He understands the dimensions on the floor. It's like batty eight esque in terms of just playing it analytically. I don't know if he does that or not, but it looks that way. Um, cause he, he played the same way on offense because yep. that one pass that you mentioned with Foster, it was kind of off a breakdown and to me, I'm watching that and it's like, I, I think it's really hard for Mark to just stay there and he stays like right, like cross court, like in that dunker spot. Cause the play kind of breaks down. It would be easy for him to kind of clear out or to like move back, but he just kind of stays home and Foster just throws like a nice His little bullet, bullet yeah. to him and he just kind of pump fakes and then gets the dunk. Um, but if he clears out or if he kind of like abandons the play there, you don't get that. But he reads the space and just made it work, man. Made it work. So, yeah.
2: yeah. Even even one of his fouls was, I thought, a little questionable. That yeah. offensive foul he got there. Uh, it seemed like oh, the ref yeah. got a little bit bored. Um, he was like really excited to make that call. He like ran 12 feet out on the court. Yeah. I, I don't know that ref's name. I apologize. But, uh, yeah, it was like, uh, they're up 20. I'm going to call something here. <laughs>
4: Yeah. And also one of the threes that they counted. I don't know if they went and changed that. I don't think they did. Dude's foot was definitely on the line. So it should have been a 30 piece there. Should have been a 30 piece. But you know, what are you going to do? Well, let's take a quick break. And then I want to touch on Jeremy Roach right quick and some just kind of broader takes and then we'll get out of here.
0: Rise and shine, football fans, this is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League knockout stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy.
4: All right, fellas, let's let's come back here and let's talk about something that we kind of talked about a lot on the offseason, and I'll take kind of full crow for this. And it's not that I didn't think he was capable of it, but I really wanted to communicate how hard it is to do what Quinn did as a senior, um, especially for a guy like Jeremy, who's just career numbers shooting-wise. They haven't been, like, bad or anything. But what he's doing this year is just absurd. I mean, like, especially from three but all the way across the board, like, his numbers are up, like, literally everywhere across the board. Um, and, you know, people are saying he's turning into Quinn Cook territory. My question for you, getting first year, it, has he surpassed Quinn Cook territory or does that come with the banner?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, I think that that's the, uh, the end goal is, you know, putting the banner up. He's taking us to a Final Four, you know, he's got that under his belt already. This time, just you know, just try to get the job done. That's what, it's what Quinn was able to do. Um, you know, just be that that solid, uh, veteran leader for for the younger guys, and you know, that's what he's been able to do the last two years. But this year, you know, nothing short of incredible what what Jeremy's been able to do. I, I hope a lot of fans, uh, really, you know, take the time Appreciate to give him his flowers. Dude. Yeah, yeah, because the dude didn't have to be here for this long. I mean. We don't have McDonald's All-Americans stick around for four years like this.
4: Not when you was a coach, or your coach retires too, right? Like,
1: yeah, and I mentioned it to him at at media day, just like the the wildness of the ACC that he's been. You know, he's seen however many you know Hall of Fame coaches retire, um,
0: going through COVID.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Just had a you know while like literally one of the worst seasons um, in Duke basketball history. You know, in that COVID season, then. To get to a Final Four, uh, playing the pressure of Coach K's last year, the pressure of John's first year, but yeah, I mean, just give the guys flowers, man. He's been he's been amazing for us, and uh, it's awesome to see like the growth that he's had over the last
4: couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible, man. It's something that like you couldn't really. Pre- I think a lot of fans wanted to just say it because it's just easy to say. Oh, you have a shorter point guard that's going to come, kind of be a little more off ball as a senior, Quinn Cook. Um, But it is really freaking hard to do that. And, bro, my question for you is, because this is where I'm kind of like, should Roach be used more, or do you think just the value from his efficiency where it's at right now is just the perfect role for him?
2: Well, I mean, I think Jay Billis kept saying the word mature on the broadcast, and I totally agree with that. Like, there's just something like so – economical and efficient about Roach's game right now. And I don't mean efficient just in terms of shooting, which obviously he's been absurdly efficient on that level, but just like there's nothing forced, right? He's taking exactly the shots he should take when he should take them. We've talked about he's content to go for essentially three quarters of a game without really shooting or scoring if if that's just the way the game's playing out. But then he'll also, you know, hit three straight threes in the first half if he's getting the shots. So I do like the way he's just kind of filling in the gaps and letting everybody else kind of like succeed and thrive around him. Uh, I would like to see his three-point attempts go up a little bit. I think yeah. you got to be taking more than four a game when you're shooting uh, – 45% or whatever it is might be even be better than I think that it's right like forty-six
4: now. now. Yeah, yeah. Af-
2: after he hit what four or five last night, uh f- maybe only four or six because he uh, had that one air ball, which was funny that the crowd was mocking him for that while they're down twenty-three. It's <laughs> like, oh, maybe let that one go. Um, yeah. but anyway, yeah, I, I just think um I think you could get up to at least like six. Yes, your efficiency would probably take a little bit of a hit if you started doing that. But let's say you slip two or three percent, that's still a very, very worthwhile shot.
4: Yeah. I mean, if you're taking seven threes a game at 45%, that's like yeah. elite. Yeah, right? I, I, don't, I don't
2: think you're going to keep that up, but if you could at least stay above like 38 to 40. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to come back to the idea of like, is he at Quinn's level or has he surpassed him? What I would say is it depends on what we're measuring, right? So all, purely on court, I think he's better than senior Quinn when you look at the three-point percentage and then what else he gives you. Like Quinn, by the time he was a senior, was mostly kind of a weirdly a three and D guy, which sounds strange to say for a guard, but like a lot of his shots were coming from three-point range. But I feel like, uh, you know, Roach is just giving you like so much more in terms of like versatility on offense, like that uh, empty side pick and roll we run over and over again with him. And then defensively, I think he's at least Quinn's equal, if not better. Yeah. But the leadership thing, it's like they're very different personalities. So maybe it's not fair to compare them that way. I think Jeremy's been a good leader, but he's not the kind of vocal, like, you know, every everybody who listens to this podcast has heard Quinn at the beginning of the show every time, right? Duke mm-hmm. is never the underdog. Duke is never the underdog, you know, yelling, pumping up the team. I don't see Jeremy doing things like that.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Quinn was like everyone's favorite uncle or something, right? Like he was like that kind of persona. Um, but yeah, man, I, I we'll just end that the segment there. Just appreciation for Jeremy Roach at this point. I mean, well, I meant to
2: mention he's doing it all while injured, essentially too. Like he, I don't yeah, think he's been I, fully healthy all year.
4: Yeah, I mean, he's he's looking better, but he's still not looking quite like that. Like to me, when when he's super healthy, it's just you're putting him in a little ball screen, and he's just tw- like manipulating the hell out of your defense, right? Because like his mid range is just so money. Um, and now he can get to the rim and do whatever he wants. Uh, just, just a heck of a player, man. Um, he's got one more year left, and like, come on back, brother. Yeah, I'll, take, <laughs> I'll yes. take it. I'll take it all day.
1: I mean, look, if he if he moved on, you know, it is what it is. We generally we only ask four years out of you at the max, anyways. Um, so, if he if comes he...
4: back, could the number go up? Like. Ooh forever, like, could it, could it, could it go up in the rafters forever if he comes, if he makes, let's say maybe he doesn't win a title, but let's say he goes back to another final four, if he comes back next year too, then the chances of like being able to do that are astronomically high. His other numbers in terms of the like historical criteria, I don't know if he's ever going to be able to do any of that, like a national player of the year or like break a record or anything. Um, but there's a new coach, right, who then gets yeah. to kind of set that standard, and you're not going to get many more guys like this, especially if you yeah. get year five. That's going to put him in a category statistically-wise. Um, I don't know, man. It'd be cool. It'd yeah. be cool. I think,
2: you know, it would help to get some, like, national or at least ACC recognition. I do like that uh, Billis and Schulman mentioned him as a uh, potential, like, first team all ACC on the broadcast because I haven't really heard him talked about a lot. So it's nice to hear him at least get shouted out as potentially being among that top five in the league. But yeah, yeah I yeah. think like you would kind of, he'd have to either win a title one of those two years, or he'd have to come back and just like completely dominate like, you know, 22 yeah. points a game kind of thing. Because sure. right you win now- win a title and think...
4: get most outstanding player, that right. could maybe be you know, yeah. now Singler didn't get that, but that was a different kind of time then where you were still not really doing right. stuff like that. Um,
2: and even Singler's case is just like so much better because of him being top 10 in so many categories. Right. And Roach is just not going to get there because of his first two years.
4: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, Will be interesting to see how that plays. Personally, if I'm John and he takes me to the Promised Land, that jersey's absolutely going in the rafters, right? Like the just pressure valve release that you just immediately oh, yeah. have with that. Um but all right, let's let's kind of move on here um for sake of time. Let's talk briefly about the ACC standings here, fellas. I don't want to really preview Wake since we just played them like a week ago. Yeah, everyone should be pretty familiar with that. It was yeah. a tough game then, it's probably going to be a tough game now. Um but I just mentioned we've won five straight. There's five left to go. We're sitting at twelve and three in the conference. Um I think almost all of us predicted to to win the conference in the preseason. Um, what's our confidence level on that now? Shu, what are you thinking? We're sitting at twelve and three, knotted up with UNC. They own the tiebreaker. Um for now. For now. For now. Right. What are you seeing out of this finish here?
1: So I guess the question is. Say we split with Carolina, we win this final home game. Um, where would the tiebreaker go? It goes to Virginia, to Virginia, but okay. And they're playing Virginia
4: at on the Virginia. Road we this got them Saturday. at home, so if they well, lose and we win,
1: but it doesn't necessarily go to Virginia, it goes to the next, the, the next. That's place true. Team, it could right? be Wake, it yeah, it could be Wake. So that's what I'm wondering about because you look at Virginia's remaining schedule. Ken Palms got them pro- projected to, to lose three of their last four. I mean, they got, mm. uh, they got Carolina at home. Ken Palm saying they're gonna they're gonna lose that one. Uh, they got Boston College on the road. For some reason, he's saying they're gonna lose that one. And then the game at Duke, he's he's got them losing. Um, so if Wake slides in, then that makes Saturday's game for us at Wake uh, super important. So um, I'm gonna stick with us. I'm gonna stick with my prediction prediction that we're gonna we're gonna get it get it done.
4: Okay. Okay. What about you, Ro? How do you feeling about things shaking out here?
2: Yeah, I'm not as worried about uh, Wake taking over that third-place spot in the ACC. I'm actually more worried about, you know, everything else breaking right. I just feel like too many things have to go right for us to be tied with UNC in record or one game ahead of UNC in record entering that last game to be able to kind of, like, lock it up. Yeah. So- both of us have three home games and two away games left.
1: Yeah. Right. So, you know, got the similar profile there. Um, UNC
2: schedule, just the remaining schedule is just easier. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah, then, I mean, because we got that at Wake Virginia at, at home State. at State. You know, they have Virginia away, yeah. which could be tough. Um, And if you can catch them right, then, you know, sure. Yeah. But Virginia just kind of got the breaks beat off of them by Virginia Tech. So maybe you're hoping there's some motivation there, hopefully, because if they don't win that um, or if North Carolina does win that, then I I think they probably, you know, they might could just win it right there because I don't see them losing to um, Miami State or Notre Dame at home. Yeah. Right. That ain't that ain't happening. Maybe a state does something crazy, but we just know that Carolina just little boys them so hard, dude, that it's,
2: um, yeah. And it it all kind of comes down to like what version of Virginia you have kind of going forward Um, because we've seen them what like rattle off like 10 straight games in the middle of ACC play and look like really good. And then just recently they've looked like trash for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, they do match up pretty well with UNC historically. Um, So that could be something there that could help because uh, they're so good at controlling tempo and UNC, you know, whether it's under Roy, whether it's under Dean, or whether it's under Hubert Davis always wants to push, right? And this year I think it's the fastest they've played under Hubert. So, um, you know, if they could kind of control tempo, uh, you know, they could make the game kind of ugly and maybe pull one out. And they have played a lot better at home. So that would be Duke's hope, right? You you really yeah. need Virginia to beat UNC for us to have any chance.
4: Yeah. I mean, really, it's it's this Saturday and then our matchup Saturday that a couple of Saturdays what? later against them, right? Because this Saturday is the big one. It's us at Wake, them at Virginia. Um right. if if both of us win, that'll be kind of crazy because I would I would be more entailed to think both of us could lose this Saturday going on the road in these matchups. But if this could make a break, right? Like if we win at Wake and they lose at Virginia, that really puts us in a position to where it's like then even if you drop that state game, who cares? Yeah, right? be, it could be okay. You, you just have to beat Carolina.
2: Um, uh, personally, I don't really care that much about winning the ACC, especially since we got it off our back recently in uh, 2022. Because there was a like long drought.
4: Yeah, I think for me,
2: it's all about like the the optics of it. I guess for like the uh, the selection committee, I think that you know it's not going to bump us up a seed line or anything. Winning, but no, I they just say think it, does, it looks a lot better. They say that that doesn't matter. I mean, and
1: they've proven it. I mean, we won the ACC tournament last year, and still well, I know the slided. tournament doesn't matter. But yeah, I'm talking but about, about the regular season, I, right? And and they say that that they don't look at it like that. It's a unbalanced schedule, so they don't look at your conference standings as the you know a, a metric for.
4: for I'd like to know what they are looking at because Carolina's still a two seed, and I'm yeah, you know, I, 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 I really I don't know. do think
2: I, I, whatever they're saying, I do think it matters because I think that ACC being one of the you know historically great power five conferences, even though they are down. Like I can see them wanting to give a two seed to the winner of that conference. Right, I think that's fair.
4: Um, and maybe the optics of it where they don't care so much if you don't win it, but or if you win it, but if you don't, then you're looking at like, well, does this team deserve it? They couldn't even win the ACC in a right. down year or like whatever like that, right? This is a preseason top five team, couldn't get it, you know, so maybe optic wise, it could help us there. Um Personally, if we finish second, but we just beat Carolina, then I'm cool with that, right? Yeah, if we, if
2: we uh, get wins over Carolina and Wake or Carolina and UVA, I think we're in about as good a place as we could hope, given the fact that we started the season five and three. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's something I did want to bring up before we kind of get out of here, is like, we started five and three. We've won 16 in the last 18. We're now up to eight on Kempom. You know, just I actually went back and compared us to the 2022 team on the same day of 2022. So like February 22nd, Um, we were actually a little bit higher than them on Ken Palm, a little higher in the national rankings. Offensive defensive splits are nearly identical. So take that for whatever it's worth. Obviously, that 2022 team had Bancaro, and they had wins over Gonzaga and Kentucky. We don't have anything that impressive, but we have some nice wins and you know the record is about the same too so i feel like for all the hand ringing at the beginning of the season we're actually kind of in a pretty good place right now
1: yeah i think a lot of fans wrote us off a little too quick yeah you know and, and me particularly i was part of that the the georgia tech loss at that time mm-hmm, yeah. i thought you know I don't know if this is the final four team. I don't see us doing a lot at March. Well, we're all but, still
4: adjusting to it, too, yeah. right? We're so used to 40 years of coming out of the gate and just yeah. being able to blitz like the number two, three, right. four, five team in the country, um, like year after year, right? And like we're so used to being able to see Kay take us three and go grab Evans and Pye and turn that into a top five offense. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like he literally had 2022 20, as the number one offense in the entire country. Now, granted, they had a 50th defense, which John yeah. could probably do something like inverse of that maybe. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and so that takes a little bit for us to adjust to. True. Right? Like I think that takes a little bit of, uh, you know, just for the fans, you're just not used to starting five and three.
2: <laughs> I also so. think there's a little bit of kind of, downplaying of all the injury stuff, like, oh, we have so many five stars, there's so much talent, it shouldn't matter, right? But like the Pittsburgh game, we're missing Jeremy Roach and Mark Mitchell. Those are statistically, like on the year, our two best players. Or if not, depending on what you look at, Uh, Flip would be up there too, obviously, but two of our best three, right? Like, I don't see how you can expect any team. I mean, look at Miami last night. I don't see how you can expect any team to play well Without two I mean, of their take thirty points off of their yeah team exactly average, yeah. And, and to the best defenders too right so. yeah yeah
4: yeah so yeah I mean yeah I mean shout to John shouts to the 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 team I mean they've turned into a group in these last month or two that's just been really fun to watch yeah. Too yeah. to see the growth to see the development to see a guy like Jared McCain um, to see Foster kind of keep continuing to come along um what we saw from Mitchell in November to see what Mark has done in January and February is yep. just like
2: ridiculous
4: dude Rid- like teams were not even guarding him um
2: and now yeah. he's our most impactful player arguably so like we don't uh, lose that Arizona game if we have this version of Mitchell yeah and we no honestly, we shouldn't
4: even have lost it anyway no, right exactly. like we had the game it's just it, it bounced the other way we didn't get the stop that we needed gave up that and one and then kind of shot herself in the foot there but um, and the yeah. Georgia
1: Tech game, you know, in Atlanta, Mark gets the dunk and puts us up for the technical, technical yeah. you know, the toning tech. And then then we go down with that. I mean, it, it'd be nice to have that one back right now.
2: Yeah. yeah I think I saw yeah, we were man. like one of only three total teams that has not lost a game by double digits. So for whatever that's worth, you know, yeah. again, all this caveat <laughs> that the ACC is weak and all that stuff. and We played a lot of bad teams, but even in the games we have lost, we've been competitive
4: yeah yeah and if you just go back to last year we lost one two we have, three well, now at
2: least three times right
4: four times by five times by double figures
2: and at least two of those were like horrible losses like 25. 81
4: 59 84 60 75 56 65 52 those are pretty gross scores <laughs> you, know, you exactly. know like those are uh not what you want so um just just cool to see you know shouts yeah. to the squad shouts to um you know, John in particular, but let's get out of here. I guess before we do we at least should give a little bit of prediction here on the hot seat. Um, mm-hmm. y- y'all taking Duke to go 3-0 in this road trip here? I mean, I said we're going to split with Wake. I'm going to stick with that, not because I'm down on the team and I'm not going to feel bad about it if we do. It's just going to be a tough game to play. They're going to want some revenge. I think Wake's good. They're 21st on Ken Palm. Um I- I'll say we lose a close one there, but not that I'm you know, I could see us winning it just because we're playing so well. But what do y'all think, roll you taking Duke to win?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm just riding high, I guess. Um, it's hard not to after, like, a 30-point win um, yeah, and then yeah. winning five straight or whatever it's been. But when you look at, like, how we played over the last five games, uh, I think we're, like, third on Torvik overall in the entire country. So I just think, like, even since that Wake game, we're playing better. Um, yeah. Since the last Wake game. So, yeah, give me Duke. It doesn't make any sense, logically. I mean, they missed their first 10 or 11 threes, and we still kind of barely won that game. So, you know, my my head says that it being on the road, you assume uh, Wake's going to shoot better at home. You assume that the free throw kind of discrepancy would favor them a little bit more. like it would not surprise me at all if they won it would not even surprise me if they won by like 15 and it was like one of our lesser performances right but i don't know i just kind of riding the momentum theory here and i'm going to i'm going to pick duke okay uh, like but it. it's going to be a close game uh, Yeah, i'll say duke by like 6 or 7 don't have an exact okay. score but like you know be yeah. like 79 to 72 or something like that
4: Okay. Yeah. To be fair, Kim Palm has it as a one-point Duke win, which pretty much just means it's a toss-up at this point. Um, Shu, where where are you at here? Where are you at with it?
1: Yeah, I'm just, I'm pretending like the the Miami game didn't happen because they were down two starters. Um, I think if uh, that would cloud my judgment a little bit. I was at the Duke-Wake game in Durham and, you know, Silas did whatever he wanted. Reed picked up those two early fouls. I don't see that happening again. Um, Carr, all those guys that normally hit threes just, weren't making them Hildreth didn't have a great game I kind of feel like all that stuff's gonna get flipped around and I'm, I'm gonna take us to uh to just barely go down um 79 77
4: okay yeah that's about how I see and again I think it, it's a coin flip game um it could go either way I don't think it's gonna say anything good or it would say something really good obviously if you go win and you win through yeah. on the road but it's tough to win on the road right so it's um, I think just, just winning those first two just puts us in such a great place, yeah. right? Like we you wanted know, to win two to out say. of three right
1: here, right? Like that's yeah. what, if you would have first we... one, so, so, yeah. yeah, perfect.
4: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, cause if you do go win that, then you come home for Louisville, Virginia, and then you go back on the road for just one more. So it's, uh, um, a big time, big momentum shift either way, I yeah. guess if, if you win it, you're in the driver's seat. So, um we'll see we'll see but fellas let's get out of here um go ahead and wrap this one up uh in the meantime you know you all rate review subscribe you can find us on the boards at the you can email us at the at gmail.com you can find us on x slash twitter at devil's den pod 247 keep the faces strong and the verb high